Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters is on the air. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 or listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now, our host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by the Big Thinkers Academy of Personal Development. Mission statement is to maximize human potential, and they are launching November 1st, 2011. Check them out at BigThinkersAcademy.com. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women of color, and our purpose is twofold. First, we love to inspire you and encourage you, the listener, and second, we must, without a doubt, promote, acknowledge, and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and today happens to be another fabulous Monday. It's October the 3rd. Can you believe it. It's moving so fast this year has gone by. You might as well prepare for Christmas and here 2012 is already at our door. So I hope you are as excited about your future as I am because trust me it is very bright. No matter what it might look like to you today it is very bright. Now you know we are here every week at the same time. That's Mondays at 12 noon Eastern so we appreciate you sharing the great news with everyone out there. Now, oh, wow, today is an absolute powerful show. Uh, When I tell you I'm so thrilled to have our very special guest on today, I just want you to listen to the organizations that she represents, their mission statement. They say that they are the voice for women in business in our nation's capital, women impacting public policy, otherwise known as WIP is a national nonpartisan public policy organization that advocates for and on behalf of women-owned businesses in the legislative process of our nation, creating economic opportunities and building bridges and alliances to other business organizations. Through WIP, our collective voice makes a powerful impact on Capitol Hill and with the administration. And our guest today has 
happens to be one of the co-founders and the president and CEO, Miss Barbara Kissoff. We are so excited to have her on. When I tell you she is one of the most influential women in the world to be in this position, and we just want to say thank you to her for doing the things that she does on a daily basis on behalf of all women-owned businesses across the world. So you know what you need to do right now. you got to call everybody. Everyone that you know, tell them, look, you need to be on this call right now. Dial 347-838-9278. That's 347-838-9278. Also, you can listen live at Wealthy Sisters Radio. That's Wealthy Sisters Radio, S-I-S-T-A-S, radio.com. And you can always find us on Facebook under Wealthy Sisters. You can follow us at Twitter on Wealthy Sisters. And when you even... Log into the Blog Talk Network. You can always follow us here as well. That way you will get a reminder of our show. So, again, text, tweet, call everyone, tell them to tune in to our show today, 347-838-9278. Join us in the chat room. This is going to be a powerful show. And as I mentioned, our very special guest, Ms. Barbara Kessoff, is the president and CEO of Women Impacting Public Policy. Um, they not only have one member, but they have over a half a million members, including 54 business organizations that are educating and advocating on economic issues for women in business. She's owned several companies, and other companies that she's owned and managed are Voice Teller Michigan, which was the fourth largest voice messaging company in the United States, Voice Tell of Central Michigan, and Voice Response Corporation, a telemarketing and database company. Barbara also opened and developed Voice Tale of Australia, a company with 11 offices throughout Australia and New Zealand. And what I love about it, she actually understands a lot about this exit strategy because she successfully sold three of her four companies. She not only was uh, a business owner, but as we, we mentioned, being the, the, the president and CEO of WIP, she also was appointed on October 15th to the National Women's Business Council. This is a federal appointment where she served three years there and recently is cited as the CEO of one of the top three most powerful nonprofits organizations in Washington, D.C. So as I mentioned to you earlier, we have a powerhouse on our show today. Call everyone. After we come back from this short break, we're going to hear from none other than the president and CEO of Women Impacting Public Policy, Ms. Barbara Kassoff. One moment. We'll be right back. Hi there. This is Bill Lee. I'm a voice talent, and I want to work for you. Just email me at bill at billlee.net. For God so loved the world. We've probably all heard the start to this verse, but what does it really mean in our daily lives? At FedEx, we understand you want a partner who can help you go global. That's why FedEx delivers next business day by 10.30 a.m. from more major international cities than any other express carrier. FedEx, another day, another dollar saved. Having more money won't solve your problems, but being a trusted client of Visionary Financial Strategies will. Your help begins on the web by contacting DFStrategies.com. That's DFStrategies.com. Or 410-929-4837. Again, 410-929-4837. 
929-4837. A visionary financial strategy. Every financial move must have a purpose. Visionary Yes, we are live back on Wealthy Sisters. Want to welcome everyone that's dialed in. Our lines are packed out today. Thank you for tuning in. As usual, we have a powerful show for you. Again, call everyone, text them, tweet them, Facebook them, tell them we have the CEO and president and co-founder of Women Impacted Public Impacting Public Policy, a nonprofit, nonpartisan public policy advocacy organization with over a half a million members. And our very special guest again is the CEO and president, Miss Barbara Kessoff. Hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. It's really a pleasure to be here with you today. Yes, well, we appreciate you. We know you're on the West Coast, and so thank you for getting up and starting your day with us today as well. No, thank you. It's um, We start our days pretty early here since we uh, WIP, Women Impacting Public Policy, is called WIP for short by its members and its friends, uh, has members from all over the country, uh, including Alaska and Hawaii. So uh, we're used to crossing time zones. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that is so true. I'm sure with you um, impacting so many lives with over half a million members and over 54 organizations that you work with, um, I, I can imagine you probably are on different time zones every day. So we'd love to just really learn more about you here, Wealthy Sisters. We always love to get the background uh, information of that actually went into creating the phenomenal uh, success story that we see today. So would you mind sharing with us where you grew up? Oh, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, WIP, uh, interestingly enough, is going to be ce- uh, celebrating its 10th anniversary next week in Washington, D.C., at its annual leadership conference where we we come together every year, uh, women business owners and women in business from all over the country to meet, to network, to be able to meet our elected officials, and most importantly, to be able to share and to communicate with them um, about their businesses, about their concerns, about their issues. One of the things... <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the things that is really important um, for women across the country, whether you're a, um, a, a stay-at-home mom, a professional woman, a business owner, um, wherever you work or stay or um, put in your um, your time every single day, it's most important for all for you to understand that you have a voice. And that's what WIP is all about. If we don't share our, if we don't exercise our voice, if we don't share our voice, then I think it's very hard for us to expect to have good representation. So that's what WIP is all about. It's all about building leaders, about helping them learn how to communicate, about helping them build relationships with their elected officials. And when they do that, they begin to have the leadership and the visibility in their communities. They become a resource for their elected officials, and they're they're doing something that's good not just for them personally, but for their families, 
for their companies, their businesses, for their communities, and really for the country. One of the things that I feel is most important is that women need to participate more fully in the in the economy. I know that from an economic standpoint, we control about 85% of all the purchasing, make all those uh, purchasing decisions. And if you're a business owner, then you're the fastest growing and your economic impact in this country is just short of $3 trillion. So, of course, we should have a voice. Of course, we should be taken seriously. And, of course, we should be part of every single discussion that is going on, whether it's in your state capital or in our nation's capital. Mm, that is so powerful. Now, if we don't, you don't mind, we want to back up just a little bit. I, I um, read about your bio, how you actually started several companies and you were involved in the telecom industry. Would you mind sharing with us your transition with that and then how you actually were able to sell um, your companies? And Because it sounds like you definitely understand the whole concept of exit strategy. Absolutely. <clears throat> that's something that's really um, important um, mm-hmm. for all of us. Um, I uh, was a business owner. I owned uh, some companies in uh, the Detroit, Michigan area. Um, before that, I worked in the corporate environment, and even before that, I was a teacher. And by the way, wow. um, just as a, a comment, I will I will say that every good skill I learned uh, in terms of communication and organizing, I learned because I was a teacher. Mm. And I had to develop and hone each one of those skills. So at any rate, um, I from uh, my journey, um, from being a teacher to being a corporate executive and then finally to owning my own business. Um, I owned, um, I, I owned uh, two telecommunications companies for a number of years for I think it was <clears throat> about 12 years in uh, the Detroit area, as I said. And um, when you own a company, you learn very quickly that um, you need to be part of a community. You need to be able to build relationships with many, many different types of people if you're going to grow your business and if you're going to become a significant member in the community. And that's um, that's what I did. Um, and I worked very hard building um, one of my companies to the fifth largest in the country in voice messaging, and it was a pretty exciting endeavor. I, I think I would like to say that I planned my exit strategy, um, but I really, I really didn't have the opportunity to do that because suddenly, overnight, we were um, approached and bought out pretty rapidly um, by a publicly traded company. So that was a very um, interesting, exciting adventure and uh, something that was uh, in many ways pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I was in a situation there 
where I didn't plan or I didn't build my exit strategy. And that's something that is extremely important for everybody to do because when you own a business, it tends to become you, it tends to wrap you up and engage you um, totally and completely, 100%, and you self-identify with that. And I think all of you know that um, that's not really the best thing in the world. Your your life has to have balance. Um, you have to you have to be able to have your friends, your family, to be able to enjoy those commitments, to be able to have time um, to enjoy life and to um, plan uh, activities and a future that are not wrapped up 100% in your um, in your business. So um, I didn't have a chance with one of my companies to build and develop that exit strategy, but I mm-hmm. certainly did for my second one, uh, which was I was already running and operating when um, my first company was sold. Um, so with that company, um, I knew that everything and every step that I did along the way was a step towards in planning for the future. Um, it's going to, was it going to be my retirement? If so, how did I have to handle my financial tra- transactions? How did I make my business decisions? Who did I develop relationships with and partner engagements with? Um, what kind of financial planning um, would I do um, based upon the fact that this company um, always was a stepping stone to something else, to another um, another phase in my life? Um, and I think that's important for all of us to learn that second phase or stepping stone doesn't always need to be um, retirement. It could be doing something else that you really love and you really enjoy, whether it's another company or whether it's a volunteer effort. Um, but it's a stepping always should be a stepping stone that takes the skills and the love um, and uh, everything that you've learned and puts it together for a, a second or third phase in your life. Um, you know, I, I once read um, not too long ago an interesting statistic on women over 60 um, that um, when we talked to them about retirement, most of them viewed retirement as not the time when they sold their companies and they would retire and and walk on the beach in the sunset all the time, but that when they retired, they were going to use the time to do something that they always thought about, that they wanted to try, um, and, um, to, and, and often it was something that was so totally different from what they uh, were doing at that time. Uh, one woman... Um, I forgot what kind. She was in a technology company. But her dream was to do elder care. And she planned her exit strategy in her retirement so that when that time was right, she would be able to use um, 
her energies and her investments to doing something that she loved, and that was building an elder care um, company. So um, that exit strategies mean a lot of different things to people, but what's most important of all is don't let it sneak up on you like it did with my first company, but Mm -hmm. take Mm -hmm. the time to plan to plan to have that uh, in mind, whether you're going to leave it to your children or uh, who is, you know, if it's some, maybe you may not have children to leave it to or if you are going to sell it or what's actually going to happen to it. And then I, looking at what's our future looking like, I guess, as far as taking being able to take care of ourselves on an independent basis because if we've built something and we don't have the residual income in place or been able to retire, that can be a challenge. So I can see why it's really important to have that exit strategy in mind. Um, And it was interesting you brought up about the women over 60 um, story. I know I recently saw an article about a bodybuilder lady who was 75 years old. She's in the Guinness Book of World Records, and actually she is in Maryland. And <laughs> I mean, her body looks like she's 30 or something. She really looks good. And she said yeah, she did that's not a good start. Thing. Yeah, I have to send you a picture, but the whole story was it was on ABC News, and they they had a whole series on the baby boomers. But the unique thing about her was she didn't start uh, building bodybuilding until she was fifty in her fifties. She said she was a couch wow. potato. So, you know that that like you said, what um, happens in our second phase of our life, it should be a stepping stone and not something where we're just giving <laughs> to just sitting around because there's so much um you know i think that there yeah i I think that there are passages and stages in our life Mm -hmm. um and very often you know that the 20s are um a very special kind of time for people in terms of growing up and settling down and kind of working to figure out what what everything is all about but in the 30s and 40s, you're raising your family, if that's a path that you you choose. You're uh, beginning to develop um, your career. You're um, really finding out what your interests are. There's a different kind of engagement that you have um, during that period. So it's not surprising to me that is women start to um, approach the age of 50, um, they're in a very different position. And that's the time when they can think about um, things that um, become very important to them. Maybe it's like this woman taking care of your body and, and building it if you haven't, if that isn't already an important part of um, your life. Um, but there is there's definitely a passage, um, a time in different stages when it's possible, it becomes more possible to do things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when, like you said, you know, if you're if you did choose the path of raising children, they are gone or, or on their way out the door, mm-hmm. and uh, even today, with if you are self-employed or working um, in corporate America, there is that transition there. 
So that's, that transition is, is uh, definitely key in our life. That's one thing I've learned, it seems. <laughs> it is very constant. It doesn't change. We're always transitioning, like you said, to a different level uh, in our lives. So speaking of transition, um, your your powerful background as an entrepreneur, how did you actually transition into co-founding uh, Women Impacting Public Policy? Well, um, as, as you know, um, I was a business owner. I had two companies, um, and um, I co-founded WIP um, just before um, I sold. Uh, my first company got sold, and definitely mm-hmm. before I had sold my second company. And um, the reason that I co-founded it is because... During the years that I was a business owner, um, I networked. I belonged to a lot of trade organizations and business organizations, and I knew um, the value of those relationships that I was building. However, Mm -hmm. as a business owner, um, I didn't, in fact, know what, um, what kinds of things were happening in Washington what kinds of decisions I could be making. Um, I didn't know that I had a voice, and I didn't often understand the decisions that were, in fact, being made. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I um, I started investigating and, and looking and seeing what all of what whether the organizations ever did any work in um uh any any work in policy so that um I could begin to understand it so that I can begin to meet people um that um could help me have a voice and mm-hmm. I found that while a lot of the organizations um did um did do public policy they did it in a very part-time basis mm-hmm. um that um they 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 didn't have a full-time team they didn't have um uh they they didn't have representation in Washington DC and um they were not able to help me build the kinds of things that I needed to do. So I said, well, here's a gap. Here's something that um, we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is something that we needed to have um, to have happen. So mm-hmm. I went out and I actually did um, did that. I met my uh, then partner Terry Nice, and we said, let's let's see if we can talk to some women-owned businesses and talk to them about the potential, the possibility of putting together an organization that would be really critical um, in, in this area that would help, help us have a voice. And we got together, uh, we pulled together on a teleconference call about a dozen of our friends and said, okay, now is the time. Uh, to do this, will you support us? Will you help us make this a reality? And interestingly enough, they all said yes. 
they all ponied up and put in a contribution so that we could become legally funded and um, legally incorporated and funded a little bit. And so Women Impacting Public Policy, or WIP, was born. And And when was that? That was in 2001. Wow, 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 wow. And I'm sorry, I cut you off. You were going to say in the very... Yeah, and one of the very first things that we knew and that we felt was really critical that we do was um, to be able to hire a professional team. Mm-hmm. And um, it's you. This is something that you can't take care of on a part-time basis, no matter where you live, whether it's in Canton, Ohio, or San Francisco, California, or Seattle, Washington. You can't say we're going to have strong representation um, by a volunteer that lives in another state, because all of the action. All of the activity that's happening is happening in Washington, D.C. And you have to understand um, how that works, who to meet. You have to build and develop the relationships. um, And you have to be able to start engaging. If you want to be part of the everyday discussions um, that are going on, I mean, very often a meeting will be called and um, it will say, let's all get together this afternoon or tomorrow morning. We have to discuss um, this tax uh, issue and what to do, for example. So we needed to pay attention to that. And the very first thing we did then was take our funds and hire um, a woman business owner who owned a, a lobbying firm, a government relations firm, and her name is Ann Sullivan. And we said, we want you to represent us in Washington. And that's exactly what she did. She built, um, she helped us build the relationships. She walked the halls of Congress, going in every single door, meeting and greeting um congressmen and women saying who she represented. She represented women-owned businesses and um, that, and really began to develop the relationship so that within really a very, very short period of time, um, people on the Hill, the staff as well as the congressional people said, if it's something to do with the, with small business, the group that understands the issues the best is WIP. And mm. that was really, really critical. Um, mm-hmm. Another important, I think, very important concept that we put into play, in addition to having our own um, our own professional team in Washington, is that we said we are strictly nonpartisan. We are issue driven. Right. 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 That's what yeah. I love and about it. Yeah, you because you stay yeah. focused on the business issues. Right. Yeah. We only focused on the issue 
and then um, they knew that not only would we have our um, our act together, but not only would we know that what um, what the issue was, and we would be very very um, um, very clear in what the facts of the issue were. That so they knew that they can contact us. They knew that sometimes we would say. You know, we just don't agree with you and the position you're taking, um, so we can't support your work in this area, um, but perhaps we can work together on a, uh, at another time. Or sometimes right. we would be more, hopefully more often than not, because of the relationship we would build, we would um, be able to say thank you so much for your support. It was really critical that um, that we were able to be nonpartisan, and we learned not to burn our bridges. We learned that sometimes the relationship results in what we need to have happen, and sometimes it doesn't. But right. the third point, and there are four points that were really critical. But the third point, uh, after being nonpartisan and issue-driven, is to um, really understand clearly the facts, not to listen ever, ever to the pundits, because they're all one-sided. They mm-hmm. all have just a sliver of the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, they could, you know, so we, we made sure that we used, um, that we knew the facts, that we only used actual legislation or policy that was being talked about, written, and worked on right on the Hill. So we read that legislation. Okay, okay. Um, that, wow. You know, and then we were able to say, you know, we understood it completely and that this is what, what was important uh, to us. And then the fourth point and the, very, and the last point is we always, from the very beginning, had a strategy. Mm-hmm. We needed to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. We just didn't go in and talk about this and talk about that and, and be here and be there. We knew we set very carefully. We set our priorities. We knew and researched where, <clears throat> which of the congressional people were working on this issue, which side of the issue were on, they were on. We knew who to approach. We knew how to build the case. We knew if somebody was against an issue that we felt was really important for him or her to be on the side of, and we had to change their opinion. We researched potentially why they were making the decision that kind of decision so that we can then go to them and build a case for them so that they could potentially change their mind. So we're, you know, we, I, you know, I, I guess you can sum it all up from the very beginning is that we had our act together. We mm-hmm. just didn't mm-hmm. say this is going to happen. We planned it. We were careful. We were thorough. Um, we knew what we were doing. 
um, and we hired the right people to help us make it happen. Had the right team in place. That's that's powerful. Well, if you've just tuned in, we're listening today to our very special guest, Ms. Barbara Kasloff, who is the president and CEO and co-founder of Women Impacting Public Policy, which happens to be a nonprofit, nonpartisan public policy advocacy organization. They actually have over half a million members, including over 54 business organizations. And we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Barbara, I'd love to know how you, uh, the organization just began to exponentially grow like that just in a short period of time. That's incredible. But I, I believe I already know the answer. When you're providing quality and you've got something good, people absolutely gravitate to it. But when we come back, we'd love to learn more about that story. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this commercial break. Sylvia Vandroff created Exceptional Living International. For the past 16 years, Sylvia has worked in the social work field. However, she has spent her whole life helping people. Sylvia's motto is pay it forward. Now, through Exceptional Living International, she is able to do just that. Please connect with us as we reach men, women, and children across America. Our goal is to educate, uplift, inspire, and encourage. Most importantly, we want to be a blessing. This segment is sponsored by WillDrake.com. That's www.WillDraike.com. The hot new suspense novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Thermal Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Available in stores November 2009. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebeattygroup.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-I-E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877-264-7699. Three women are murdered every day. Around the world, at least one in three women has been or will be abused in her lifetime. It's time to change these statistics. Join Saving Promise, a national grassroots movement that's bringing about real change. Visit www.savingpromise.org to join our One Voice campaign and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Text My Promise to 20222 to make a $5 donation. We need your voice. Together we can live, thrive, and be free of domestic violence. Yes, we are live and back on Wealthy Sisters, and we do just really ask everybody to support our organization that we are supporting, one of our charitable partners, Saving Promise. Pull out your cell phones right now and go ahead and text for a $5 donation to My Promise 20222. That's My Promise 20222 for a $5 donation, and please let everybody else know about this powerful organization that's bringing awareness to such a a thing that we don't like to talk about that we must talk about. Well, our very, very special guest again today is Ms. Barbara Kassoff, and who happens to be the president and CEO and co-founder of Women Impacting Public Policy, and you're just sharing some phenomenal things with us about your journey and about those four key critical points that um, your organization made sure you had in place as you started, and, you know, we kind of talked about the, the growth that you've had. Uh, we'd love to learn more about that as as you celebrate your 10th year. Congratulations. 
uh, on that as well. And then maybe you can give us some examples of some policy that uh, you've been able to have a voice on. Examples. Um, the first example is for um, those people that do federal contracting. You know, particularly in this difficult economic time, it's really critical um, that business owners are able to diversify their stream, uh, their revenue stream. And one good way to diversify is to get into um, buying and selling selling your uh, business services or products to the government. I mean, they're the biggest purchaser. Um, mm -hmm. Women um, business owners have never received um, the fair share of um, contracts from the federal government. Um, when Way back when WIP was formed 10 years ago, they were hovering around 2.5, close to 3%, <clears throat> excuse me, of all federal contracts were going to women-owned uh, businesses. That's all, a pathetic amount. Um, and in that in the year 2000, a law was passed by Congress that said, well, let's set a goal that 5% of all federal contracts should go to women-owned businesses. Well, you know, that's a pretty pathetic amount um, right. in itself. But nevertheless, right. it's better than 2.5%, 3%. And the gap um, represented up to, you know, to 5%, from 25 to 5%, several billion dollars that were on the table that were not going to women-owned businesses. And we worked and worked and worked um, legislatively and politically to um, the law was passed, but it was not being enacted. Um, one reason after another was being given, one excuse that the law itself could not be enacted, um, mostly because they said, well, if we try and set aside um, 5% of the contracts for women to bid on. It doesn't mean they're giving it, but they're just mm -hmm. making sure that they are able to bid on them. Um, that's discriminating against oh. others. And, okay. we, and we said, baloney, that's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you're giving, mm -hmm. all you're doing is saying that they're going to have a fair, cha fair share. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, we were getting nowhere. Uh, and finally, um, in late 2007, the administration um, uh, came out with a final ruling that said, um, unless you're a woman business owner that sells ATV vehicles, is an engraver or a kitchen cabinet maker, you are not going to, um, then you don't deserve to have any contracts set aside from you. And you are not um, underrepresented, underrepresented anywhere. Well, uh, we know I, we have WIP members who design warheads and missiles and things like that. We know that they're not equally represented in their field. So we, um, we went ahead and we developed a relationship with American Express Open, first of all, to be able to put together a huge training program to give women-owned businesses the tools and resources and training they needed so that perhaps they would be able to compete um, more successfully. 
And then we went in 2008 to both the Republican and Democratic Convention and presented this issue to Senator, then Senator McCain and then Senator um, Barack Obama and um, said, you need to pay attention to this. You need to get the Small Business Administration to make this act, this law a reality. And um, Senator McCain um, did not respond to it. And Senator, then Senator Obama said if he was elected, one of the first things he would do was, would be to uh, instruct the SBA to solve this problem. And, in fact, it was. Um, and suddenly, instead of just in three industries or categories, we discovered that in 83 industries and categories, women were underrepresented and contracts needed to be and should be set aside. So that was a major, major victory um, for us. And then the other point, um, real quickly, that we worked on was the health care law. Um, we, of course, didn't work on the whole law. Um, but what we did is we wanted to pay attention to the portions of the law that affected small business owners. And one right. of the things that we had worked on for almost all of our 10 years, too, was the ability for small business owners to pool together so that they could negotiate better um, rates sure. for their insurance. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And we were the ones that worked very successfully for what's now called the exchanges that are going to be developed and implemented starting next year. Uh, wow. in Well, they're going to be implemented in 2014. And these exchanges are going to allow um, business owners to pool together and hopefully to achieve um, more competitive uh, pricing for their um, for their um, insurance that they want to and do provide to their employees. So that's wow. um, two two specific areas that I think are very very important. Um, that for is all critical. of us. Yes, 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 that's critical. Uh, last and week we had. Yeah. Go ahead. Those are uh, things no, that ahead. made a big difference to the bottom line mm -hmm, uh, to mm -hmm. women-owned businesses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can definitely relate to the business part as far as the health insurance is concerned. Um, being able to do that, uh, it's something that we're definitely looking forward to because, I mean, I've been a business owner for over 20 years, and uh, mm -hmm. insurance is not always a priority. Uh, when you have other things, especially at the rates um, that they they are, so to be able to come together with other small business owners, that that right there is is a major major win. So thank you for that. And last week we actually had one of the directors on out of Region Five. She's in the uh, Chicago area from the GSA Small Business Utilization, and she spoke a little bit about the win of being able to mm -hmm. have uh, representation and have those contracts set aside like that. So that's, that's very critical. Do you find that um, the the interest level of what you're doing, do, are a lot of women in business uh, aware of how important this is? 
the role that WIP is playing in in the um, public policy? I think not. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. growing. I think mm-hmm. women business owners are becoming more aware of mm-hmm. that. Um, the, that role, they're becoming, you know, they, I think their first inclination is, oh, I don't want to get involved in politics or right. I don't really, I really don't have a voice and I'm not, I can't alone, can't make a difference. And right. they're missing some important points. One is that they do have a voice. Number two is that together we have a powerful voice. Right. And right. if we can all band together on some issues that we have in common, we don't have to agree on everything. But mm-hmm. working together provides a really, really powerful voice. And then third, when you become get involved and engage and build your voice, you become a leader and a player in your community. And every one of us knows that when you're selling your product or your service, very often um, you make your sale based on a relationship that you developed. If you're a leader in your community, those contracts come a lot easier because people want to do business with a leader. They Mm -hmm. want to do business with somebody that's visible. So Mm -hmm. it really makes good business sense. Um, to become engaged and uh, and involved. Um, I think um, this is a slow lesson for women to understand um, and to understand that they have to get involved in um, policy and politics. They need to be even-handed um and is they um engage in policy and politics because it's their business mm-hmm. um but in the end um it can be a very important it can make the difference between business success and a business that's just bumping uh bumping along mm-hmm. um so i think they're beginning to get it but we still have a little ways to go it's a it's a journey to go, yeah. And and one of the key things that you have said several times throughout um, our conversation today is relationships, relationships, relationships. People buy you, people buy your relationship that you have with them. How how important is that um, to you? And what do you suggest for our listeners to begin building solid relationships? that are not just (laughs) one-time events. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's really um, very critical to be able Mm -hmm. to um, get out, to to meet people, to be thoughtful about who you and the projects that you work on. Um, Start off with, um, first with your local business and trade organizations. That's a great place to meet other leaders in your community. Um, Second, um, volunteer for some worthy projects. Philanthropy is important. And the best and the the biggest um, business leaders all make philanthropy and their work on nonprofit boards a very important part of their lives. So you bet you're going to meet 
great people that are important for you to know that are important business prospects for you. Um, so those are two really great um, ways. And then the third one, of course, is every single person should pick up the phone, make an appointment, and go visit their um, uh, representative for their district and the senator, um, their federal senator. Each one of them has a specialist, a staff person in their office that um, is devoted to small business. And you need to go there and introduce yourself and your business and what you do and let them know that um, you are a thoughtful, engaged person and that if they ever need any help or assistance, you're there. Because mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like when you meet your banker, uh, when you um, set up your relationships with your banker and your attorney, um, you need to have those relationships in place before you have a problem. And the right. same thing should hold true with your elected official. Right, right, right. That is some sound advice, sound advice. Um, We know that it's your 10th anniversary that's coming up, and next week happens to be your conference. You're going to be celebrating that. Tell us a little bit about that. We have about five minutes left in the show. Okay, well, it's going to be a really um, excellent, a really great, um, great meeting that we have coming. It is all of our, our meeting is going to be held at the Western Georgetown in Washington, D.C. And um, it's a two and a half day um, event. Um, we're going to be doing some in depth discussions on healthcare, procurement, and energy. Um, and the economy, and most important to uh, small business owners, access to capital. Um, How you get money. Um, Are there um, some ways that you haven't thought about? We all know it's hard to get money, but are there some different ways that you can look for and get money to fund and grow your business that you may not be aware of? So we're going to be focusing on these policy issues. We're going to be bringing together um, some extraordinary people um, that we're going to be able to talk to um, about these issues. They're not only going to be talking heads to us, but we're going to be able to have a dialogue with them. We're going to be able to say, this is what concerns us, or this is where we feel that we see a gap because it's really important to have that um, two-way dialogue. Um, so we have we have a congressional luncheon that's planned with Senator Mary Landrieu, who's the chair of the Senate Small Business and Entrepreneurship Committee, Senator Susan Collins from Maine, and Representative Renee Elmers. Um, so we have we bridge the gap from. Uh, a Democrat and a Republican and even a member of the Tea Party um, that's available. So we want to make sure that we hear from people. We have major industry leaders from American Express Open and AT&T and Office Depot that are all going to be there. Um, Some really extraordinary sessions. We're going to be looking together and exploring what's the next decade um, hold what are the opportunities and challenges for business growth, and then last, we're going to look at women in the 2012 election. We know we have to get more women um, 
running for office um, and in office because the woman understands our issues. So we're going to be talking with some people about the 2012 election, um, the gender gap in political ambition, um, and then uh, talk about the media. How does the media treat a woman that's running for office? So that's going to be a fascinating discussion that we're going to have Thursday morning. And um, we're also going to be dealing with our communities. How do you become a leader in your community? So it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, it sounds exciting. I, I tell you, uh, I, I definitely wish I was in the area uh, there. I will be back, <laughs> though, in December um, in the area, and that's one of the things I miss about being in the D.C. Um, area, like you said, is so much happening. Uh, that's where the center mm-hmm. of everything uh, is right there in the D.C. So I know you all are going to have a great time next week. Please let everyone know your web address um, so that they can get registered and learn more about becoming a member of WIP as well. Absolutely. Um, our website is www.wip, W-I-P-P dot org. That stands for Women Impacting Public Policy, WIP.org. And people can also feel free to email me directly at bcassoff at WIP.org. Okay, and Cassoff is K-A-S-O-F-F. Wonderful. And you're also on Facebook. I think that's how we actually connected uh, as well. Can they connect with you there too? Absolutely. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn and on Twitter. We're there. All right, all right. Well, with two minutes left, what closing words would you like to share with our audience today? Well, um, I think my message um, is to women is to is that you have a voice and you have power, and you need to learn to exercise that. It's not hard. It's nothing to be scared about, but it's very important in your life, for your mm-hmm. business, for your families, and for your community. And if you're you're interested in doing that we're there we'll help you out contact us we'll introduce you we'll help you have that visibility Um, but take that first step somebody once told me that um, to make a difference you need to show up and take Mm. responsibility oh I love it I love it. Show up and take responsibility. That's that's powerful. That's powerful. Well, we want to really thank you so much. It's been an honor having you uh, on the show today. We know how valuable your time is with all that you're doing uh, for so many women across the country, and not only what you're doing in the country. We know it affects us globally as well with the United States being such a, a power in the world um, with business and economic economic policy. So thank you again and and really really thank you for that new health care uh piece with the exchanges there. We're going to be looking forward to that and um also for the knowledge about those contracts there. So we encourage everyone if you just tuned in to the show and you missed the first part, go back and right after this, you can listen to this show and any of our others at www.wealthy 
WealthySistersRadio.com. That's WealthySistersRadio.com, S-I-S-T-A-S, Radio.com. Ms. Barbara, thank you so much. Uh, best wishes next week. And we know after next week you'll probably be at a million uh, women all across the world changing lives in their businesses. So continue to have a wonderful day. This is Deborah Hartnett, and we want to thank each and every one of you all who's tuned in today in our chat room. Also, the dial-in or our lines we know have been packed out. We want to tell you to stay tuned next week for another powerful show. Continue to have a super day. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman. Turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister. And visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysisters.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.